The mother mother is ironic that you said it last episode because Oh I did. You did. Yeah. You did. And literally my first note on this chapter is just mother in caps when the horse is mentioned. Yes. Oh mine too. Mine too. It's oh mother. mother. <laughs> What's up, hot queens? Did you bring the baby gherkins? <laughs> this is when I really felt like maybe we shouldn't do this podcast. Astronomical. I hate to see it. Wasted potential. Are you drunk? <laughs> I am so drunk right now. Welcome to Bad Author Book Club, where we're not like other authors, we're worse. I'm Clarabel A. Ortega. And I'm Ryan LaSala, and we're two authors reading the most bizarre fiction we can find. So, welcome back, listeners, to another exciting episode of Bad Author Book Club. Some housekeeping before we get started. I would like to encourage everyone to go and follow us on social media. We are on Twitter at Bad Author Pod, Instagram at Bad Author Book Club. All of our episodes are available for streaming on Spotify, Anchor, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen. And it's very helpful to us if you rate us and review us and tell friends. And of course, if after listening to us, you are so inspired and want to discuss, you can find a link to our very active Discord in the show notes. Come join us, send us your thoughts, and send us your questions. We've started answering reader questions. We're going to answer a reader question at the end of this episode as well. So stick around after the Rose and the Thorn, and it could be your question Ooh. that gets answered. That you Ooh, spooky. <laughs> and oh, a new jingle. <laughs> as well so I'm just saying things are moving shaking slipping and sliding Slip it, at yeah slipping and club. sliding the, as, yeah, as, <laughs> as they do discussed. Okay. Yes. by the way the ants mm. the mosquitoes they are yeah. relentless Ron DeSantis's mm-hmm. mosquitoes and ants mm-hmm. are not good they're racist they will not stop biting me do you want to know what I heard about ants um, they're marching two by two. Oh my two. god, I hate you. I am disconnecting. Do you want do you want to know what else I heard about ants? Oh my god, what? Hurrah. <laughs> and one more thing. Um I'm sh- I'm hurrah. saying no. I'm saying no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm revoking my consent to the battle. <laughs> when I went to summer camp, I convinced everyone that I was a god of water one year. You like the most fun child (laughs) (laughs) pathological liar it's more like well that's that is every writer i was also a pathological liar i have my own Mm -hmm. history with lying about horses specifically oh let's hear it oh my god i need to know no i want to hear about the god of water first okay so in camp i basically like it was very inspired by Sailor Moon, so elemental powers were, like, a big mm. thing. And I was also, as previously discussed on Path Book Club, like, I would give, like, horoscopes. And so I sort of combined these into this idea that everybody had, like, a core element that they, like, would pay, like, they would, like, pray to. And mine was, like, water or something. I don't even remember. And all of the friends, like, in this, like, small group that I slowly created that turned into a cult later, like, I would assign them their, like, elements and they had to do, like, rituals to, like, affirm their, like, piety to their, like, mother goddess or... I don't even know what. And so Andy, I remember, my, like, best friend at camp, Andy, who's also now totally gay, um, mm-hmm. and we don't talk. No. But he was, like... I know. I don't, I don't know what he's up to, but um, Andy, if you're out there, hello. Uh, sorry that 
I lied a lot to you, but he was like earth and I was water and there was like an air and like basically it was like Avatar before Avatar, right? Like it was like we would like bend mm-hmm. the elements. Um, and then it kind of got a little out of control because I like ran out of elements so that I had to like repeat and then factions formed and then I think I got like deposed. I forget. That sounds very fun, but also chaotic. Mm. I feel like that's the kind of thing I would have gotten in trouble for. Oh, we did get in trouble. Oh my God. Literally the counselors had to like, they had to like step in and then it was so embarrassing though, because everybody had to kind of admit that they were in the thrall of like this like (laughs) fake scenario. And then of course it got traced like back to me. And I, of course, because I, you know, even though I was like the cult leader, I was also the one that was like, this is all fucking fake. I made it all up. And the counselors were like, well, then what is everyone fighting about Ryan? And I was like, I don't know. That's their business. And then I would like eat a Skittle and then like camp was over. You were right. You were right. Yeah, I was. I was like, it's not my fault those idiots couldn't take a joke and then I'd like move on. <laughs> Wait, tell me your horse story. I want to hear oh, the horse story. So I moved to Westchester County from the South Bronx when I was like yeah. almost 15, 14, going on 15. Mm-hmm. And um, my English teacher made me go up in front of the whole class and like tell them mm-hmm. something about me. And I was a really interesting kid. Like I was a theater sure. person. I had yeah. gone to like this preparatory school in the Bronx it was a very smart Ooh, kid oh my gosh yeah like I was speaking French already like all of these like really interesting cool things about me mm-hmm. however I looked around the room and I was like all these people look rich and white how can I make them my friend and I was like I ride horses oh my God. <laughs> no Larable. I was like yeah I ride horses I also said I skied both things that I had never done I maybe got on a horse once at like a petting zoo right well, how did it go? Did people believe you? Oh, of you? course. Everybody wanted to be my friend. But I think they had wanted to be my friend anyway from before that. Like, Probably. I didn't... Yeah. Because I was from the city, right? And I didn't realize, like, that right. in and of itself was cool. But I felt mm-hmm. like I had to lie. And, like, one of the most popular girls yeah. in school, I remember, was like, you should come sit with us at lunch. But I didn't because I was like, I'm going to sit with the three people of color. <laughs> Smart girl, even then. But yeah, that was my that was my horse story. I lied about riding horses. I actually, it's in one of my like author letters. Really, I'm pretty sure because I just thought it was just such a funny story. Like, but I lied a lot as a kid, and I think that it was me trying to tell stories and not knowing how to do that. Mm-hmm. I was just trying to like create things. Yes. Very young. Oh, so yeah. now when like someone's like, oh my God, that kid's such a liar. They're like, they're probably going to be like an author, an actor or something like that. No big deal. There's this over-enthusiasm when it comes to like fiction and storytelling that like for us turned into like, it was participatory, right? Like mm-hmm. fantasy and things like that weren't just things to be consumed. They were things to be created. Yes. And before you have like the language to do this, what you've got ahead of all of that is like a body and a mind and like you want to just like go for it right and like you and I are both like pretty theatrical people too and I'm like yeah no wonder I decided to just kind of like run with these like random stories and I'm so glad that eventually I found a more productive use of this but I fully believe that like had a few things gone differently I would have been an incredible cult leader because I was an incredible cult leader (laughs) as like a little kid I was like running these like like totally fictitious schemes and hierarchies that always had me as like the oracle at like the top of it and now I look at the people that have turned into like MLMs and I'm like I would have been amazing at this so good so you've been so good in a way I feel like we're both cult leaders yeah well kind I mean I guess yes and you know Bad Other Book Club actually probably is exactly Mm -hmm. it is kind of a cult (laughs) it is kind of a cult 
it's fine. I believe it. I believe it. Should we talk about the book? I guess. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Today's episode is Chapter 7, Countdown to Emergence Ball, One Week, Livia. <laughs> It's always funny. It's funny every time. So, is this like we're so we're back to one week? I think we started at one week with her, right? I, I don't, don't remember. remember. Here's the thing that I'm having a really hard yeah. time with, and I don't know if you're also having a really hard time with this. I guarantee, yes, I am. <laughs> the 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 timeline, ha- like where when are we? When are when we? Are yeah, we it's not where we are. It's, it's when, when. When when are we? When were we in other whens? <laughs> yeah, I I don't I, you know. I don't like, know. Like I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't. I just. Yeah. No. I don't. I don't. Either. I don't understand where we've been. I like. I know. Like we've seen them as like toddlers, and we've seen them as like twelve year olds. And I guess we've seen them as teens too, but I don't. They're going back and forth so much with the time that I think I'm gonna like go through and write down what it is because I don't know if we're even jumping back and forth. It feels like we are, right? Well, and to add to the confusion, even within the chapters, we are being flung through time because there's these passages that are flashbacks that take place which makes it near impossible to conceptualize these characters development on like a linear plane which in like adult literary fiction you don't always need because oftentimes like the development is sort of this like larger panned out idea of a life but for YA I definitely feel like we need to have a clearer idea of like the events and the order that they're happening in and also I mean you have to wonder about the rationale of this. It's clearly like they want to provide exposition leading up to this big emergence event, but the plot doesn't feel like it's started yet. And a big culprit of that is that we're keep diving into the the background of these characters outside of any real framework for understanding like why any of these things matter. And so it's hard for my mind, my like conscious mind, to pick and choose what details are important because I don't know where we're going and I don't know what might be clues or hints. And so in an effort to keep track of everything, I'm keeping track of nothing. Yeah, I totally agree. I think that's what it is. And I think you hit the nail on the head saying that we're taken back and forth within the chapters too. I think that's what it is. That's what's really confusing me. Because I'm looking at the Mm -hmm. table of contents, right? Chapter one is Countdowns to Emergence Ball day before. So it's the day before, right? (laughs) So the apple has not been sliced. (laughs) It's not. So then the next chapter is Lex. So that's the orphanage, right? So that doesn't count. So then chapter three is 10 years out from the emergence ball. Chapter four is again, Lex the Academy. Chapter five is countdown to emergence ball six years. And then chapter six is countdown to final simulation exam four years. So suddenly we have a countdown for Lex, which we didn't before. It was only Olivia previously. And then here, chapter seven, countdown to emergence ball one week. So... It is going in chronological order chapter-wise, but in terms of in the chapters themselves, we are getting sort of, like, thrown back in time, and that makes it really confusing yes. when you are already yeah. playing with a time element chapter to chapter, yeah. right? I think, like, yeah. a day before is fine, like, the week before, but it's not that. It's, like, years before. 
You know what I mean? Yeah. Double F minus Kardashian girls. This is so fucking bad. <laughs> I have to just, I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> sick of it. If, like, I have to imagine the conversations that took place in arranging this because the choreography of these pieces is so deeply fucked up the butt. I hate it. I'm so mad. It's like annoying. I'm clearly in a crass mood. <laughs> but, anyways, let's, let's get into it. Okay, so here we join Livia, our fancy heiress, one week before. And sh- get ready, everyone. <laughs> the first, the first line is: the sun warms my back as Veda and I trot the winding dirt path. And it goes on from there. But immediately, I was like, "Mother!" mother! <laughs> I wrote "mother" in the text. As did I. In t- in bold, <laughs> mother. I love the ongoing theory that the mom and the horse are the same. And there's a lot of horse facts in this chapter so i'm excited to share them horse facts and actually for any Mm. of our listeners who are sims fans happy Mm -hmm. horse girl expansion pack day because there's just (laughs) a new sims expansion pack that's all about horses that just came out so it's very appropriate that this is the chapter that we are discussing today are you kidding me so they're trotting along, so she's on the back of Veda, but they're trotting along a path of a village past weeping cherry trees and thatched huts, and there's an aged woman hunched over a, a, a loom. So, so immediately, like, we're in olden mm-hmm. times, we're in antiquity. The people are speaking an ancient tongued language, she mentioned. This is all in the first paragraph. So I'm in my head, I'm like, is this fucking Indra? Like, is this another part of the world that, like, we haven't seen yet? And then I was like, oh, no. We're in the archive. Yeah, mm-hmm. It took me a while to figure yeah. that out, too. And I was mm-hmm. really confused because she's saying that... She says in this chapter, and she's probably said it before, that Veda is the only animal in existence. And I'm yes. like, why isn't anybody staring at a horse? Like, a horse is not, like, a small animal. It's, like, a giant thing, right? But yeah. here's the thing. So the third graph or so it's like for some reason Veda's chip also works for me so she's in the simulation with her horse so she's not supposed to be just as she entered yeah. my mother's archives she can enter mine this is not logical yeah. a fact of which I'm well aware yet I have kept it a secret for as long as I have known the clone theory <laughs> persists <laughs> mom is a horse horse is a mom not so. just that what if the girls yeah. are clones of their mother. Something like that. Right? Some, like, maybe. What if yeah. they're just like clones? Because it would explain why neither of them have like distinct personalities from one another. They're like pretty much the same, right? Mm-hmm. And it would explain this whole thing. Like if they're clones, then they would have the same sort of DNA as their mom, right? And so they would be Something able to like go that, into yeah. the archives with Beta just like their mom did. I love that you're thinking about this because I'm still thinking about the fact that this horse can play the Sims. <laughs> like this, like this, like just, so, like just so, so you understand. Like to, to enter the archives, everybody, you need to insert a chip into your wrist. They created a little, like, like slit in Veda's hoof, <laughs> in which they put a chip. And I, I like kind of skimmed this, but there's some sort of like pad. Oh, there's a pad built especially for Veda in her stable and she just has to tap her right leg on the sensor and then she goes digital Veda goes digital it's a digital horse (laughs) and I can't I I just love that like they couldn't be like 
in the archives, I have a version of Veda that's like made out of like data. Right. They had to like over explain it. Yeah, the horse is literally in the archives. And further, they have a telepathic connection, her and the horse. They're able to now talk to each other with, like, italicized words. Like, where are we going? And she's like, don't worry, I tell her, rest. And she, like, lassos her up somewhere else as she walks into a a clearing to <laughs> fight a samurai. <laughs> That's what happens next. But the point is that they can talk with their minds. Yeah, they have these, like... Which is very seven-coded, if you've read Witchling. <laughs> yeah. What's going on? Yeah. There's this thing with speculative mm-hmm. fiction, right? Where you have, like, a secondary world or, like, this whole new world that you have to build. Where there's going to be... You can't tell everybody every moment of world building up front. Obviously, it's going to be info dumpy and it's going to be annoying. So you have to organically do it, which I get they're trying to do that. However... Mm-hmm. There's this, like, very fine line of everything feeling, like, a little bit too convenient. And I think sometimes mm-hmm. when you over-explain, that does end up happening. Because I think it would have been so much smarter for them to do what you had just said, which is just say, I have a version of Veda in the archives with me. Instead, they have this whole system to put her in. And it almost feels, like, contrived, right? It, it, it doesn't feel like that is a natural part of the world it's like oh no no i can explain Mm -hmm. it it's because we have this if you were wondering and it's like i was actually not wondering at all like zero the archives no truly like the archives aren't thin ice to begin with (laughs) yeah like the whole system Mm -hmm. of the archives is like crazy and not really well explained and definitely not well established even within the logic of the world so then to further go in and sort of like break all these rules for the admittance of a horse is so fucking dumb it is like the weird preciousness that i talk to a lot of like newer writers about where like i think you've impressed yourself with maybe finding an explanation but you're giving answers to questions that no one's asking Mm -hmm. no one cares that much we would love instead of this digitized horse a plot maybe one plot i would love that but instead we have an explanation to veda who's like playing like we sports in her stable somewhere which no one cares about and you you know i think also not to defend the jenners let's hear it however i do think that sometimes Mm. this is something that happens when editors get too annoying about things like when they're like i don't understand why this is happening like can you explain this and like i've gone back to sort of like my first book and realized like there were things that I didn't really have to explain and I'm angry that I gave that space on the page rather than the things that I wanted to write because of an editor's sort of like insistence that we needed some sort of explanation for something. So this could have very well been one of those things just to give them a crumb of yeah. of, of uh, credit maybe. But You know what? You're right. I guess to be more charitable and we are you and I already like know this is in here because there's some sort of connection between mother horse mm-hmm. and these girls like that's what the point of this is it has nothing to do with her wanting to bring her horse into like a video game it's all about showing that there's some sort of like similarity i guess between her mother and her and it has something to do with the archives and i guess it'll it'll sort of click into place later but anyways send us your thoughts send us your prayers so into the simulation we go yes. Why is she in the simulation, you might be asking? And the question is, she's defying Master's will and doing a sword training module. And so she's in, like, an, basically an ancient Japanese, like, 
feudal era Japan version of the archives, and she's about to fight a samurai. So that's what she's doing. She's like meeting a samurai in like a clearing, and he shows up in his like samurai outfit, which is like white, and he has a samurai sword, and they're about to fight. Yeah, my whole thought was like, I wonder if he's hot. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. This entire scene, I was like, who cares about the fight? Is the samurai hot? I pictured him. I pictured him as Me hot. Too. I did. I pictured him as like a sort of older man, like somewhere in his like like fifties to sixties, but, but like, but hot, like yeah, <laughs> but hot. <laughs> and I mean, a lot of this is just like some action. The point is that basically we learn that she can feel like. Well, we don't learn this, but she's she's an empath. Remember the pudding? <laughs> yeah, empath? Mm-hmm. she can totally <laughs> she can totally feel people's feelings. Yes, and that helps her when it comes to combat, and so she, like, starts to fight this samurai, and the whole point of a samurai is, this is also a very, like, anime-coded chapter, like, there's many things, that, oh, but, like, for instance, at one point he, like, almost hits her, but she dodges just in time, and he trims a lock of hair from her ear, and it floats to the ground, like, that is in every single anime <laughs> I've ever seen, that has, like, a sword fight, right? Um... And the whole point of this is that, like, a samurai has mastered a peaceful mind and its conjunction with, like, combat. And so I think that's why she's doing this training. But he ends up losing his composure, which feels kind I mean, like, kind of a little too easy. Uh, and it definitely feeds into this idea that she has where he loses his composure. And I want to know your thoughts about this, uh, because she dodges his attack and he is upset that a girl would dare to be so skilled at swordsmanship which you know so suddenly this like samurai who's like so composed the whole time his misogyny jumps out and that's like what causes him to like slip up in the fight yeah that's that's what that's the same feeling i got too and also another point is you're not supposed to feel people's emotions in the archives and she can right she can so she says right before a section break i've always felt people but never in an archive he isn't real i remind myself so because he's not real he's just simulation she shouldn't be able to Mm -hmm. feel his emotions but she does which kind of makes me wonder why is he having emotions if he's not real and if this is just a simulation i'm a little bit confused about that Maybe it will get an explanation. <laughs> yeah, point. well, that's what I'm saying. Like, the archives are a fucking mess. Like, is it real? Isn't it real? And if the whole idea is that, like, we're supposed to believe it's all data and therefore, like, not real and simply a simulation, like, that needed to be said outright. But even from the very start, they were like, well, yeah, it's all a simulation, but there are people who have been trapped in the archives as, like, a, as, like for punitive reasons, and they're really in there but we don't know where their bodies are, but they're stuck in there. So it's like real to those, like it's all a mess. It is all a mess. And I, I feel, I guess I feel angry about this because if you remember, we sort of started at the beginning of the book with a literal passage from the book of Indra that explains the rules of the archive, like an instruction manual. And that was the opportunity to like really establish it. We could have gotten more of those passages to kind of firm up our understanding of this. Cause I don't mind like breaking the rules, but they have to be established enough so that the break feels purposeful and not sloppy. Right. I, I totally agree with you. And mm-hmm. it just felt anticlimactic also because yeah. it's supposed to be a big deal that she can feel this samurai's feelings, 
but I didn't really remember or they never told us that she wasn't supposed to, so. Right. And I think it's a symptom of sort of spending time on the wrong thing, which was also (laughs) a very big model land problem. And I think this book suffers from like being bogged down by aesthetics and none of the plot that goes along with it. Like things happen, like the, the horse apple moment with Veda there was no point to that moment right. it was just right. literally an aesthetic thing and I understand being a visual mm-hmm. writer but it has to be to some to some sort of end <laughs> to what yeah. it can't just be <laughs> yes. because so yeah I totally agree I totally agree we then we get that section break and then it transitions into a section in which she is like describing her empathy <laughs> By the way, like, she has an empathetic description of, like, how Veda and her would, like, cheer each other up. And if she was sad, she would go to the stable and Veda would do a little galloping dance to, like, cheer her up. Which was so funny. Like, this poor horse is, like, doing double duty with this little girl. And there's a mention of the pudding. The pudding comes back. At one point, the governess is like, eat your pudding at six years old. I love that pudding is, like, a main feature of this girl's life as, like, a child. And, like, is the pudding poisoned? Why do we have a second mention of pudding? Uh, we have a whole episode named after the, the puddings. So. Uh, and then she mentions that she can't access the archives of her own mind, which every citizen's supposed to be able to do. So she wants to go see her parents, like her mom and her dad, from when she was, like, a kid. But she actually can't go, like, that far back in her own head. Uh and this is just dismissed as like, well, some people have these memories and some people don't. Um, but I would have accepted just that explanation. But then it's like, I think the governess is the one that adds that the people that control like who decides like who gets to have memories is the high council, yeah. which indicates that she probably would have had these memories if the high council had not deemed her like, like, like made, made them prohibitive. Yeah. And it makes you wonder sort of like why they would do that. I wish they yeah. had drawn it out a little bit more. Like, oh, yeah, I just... Some of these memories are blurry. And, like, have her discover in a moment that, like, they're actually being kept from her. I think that would have been a lot more impactful. Like, yeah, they just don't want you to remember it. <laughs> We're just move on from there. It's because she was in a test tube. I think that's it. Like, she says that she has, like, a memory where she tries to go back that far but it's just it's all misty and blank and she can hear like a buzzing and I'm sure that eventually it's gonna be like she was like grown in like one of those like floaty tubes from like Alien or something like that I think so too I think the clone theory or something like that like Science Baby is probably the right direction okay so she explains she's explaining that you can feel fear or pain but you can't be permanently injured in In the the archives archives. did we learn that before is that the first time we're being told this i'm pretty sure it's the first first time yeah and we did have a moment in the archives with lex i believe where they had the same sort of simulation over and over again of the woman like tied up or whatever and that's where the kids would play I really wish they had used that moment to show, like, kids doing, like, bananas things, like, jumping off buildings because they knew they couldn't get hurt. Because, like, if you knew you couldn't get hurt and you were a kid and you didn't have anything else to do, you would push the limits of 
the environment that you're in, right? I feel like that feels really mm-hmm. natural to just be sort of like a daredevil and like have fun and do all these things because you know there's no possibility of you getting hurt. I wish that they had sort of played with that moment a little bit more to make what happens next more impactful. <laughs> but again, we learn yeah. a rule right before it's broken. It and, yeah. and that just also something was done that was done in model land, like constantly. All the time. Yeah. Yeah. What happens is she in the, the fight escalates and she can now read the samurai's mind. Like we've gone from empathy to full telepathy. And he's like, who is this girl? He wonders, why does she fight so well? Which again, like he, if he's a program, this doesn't make sense. If he's a real person, it makes sense a little bit, but uh, like then it doesn't make sense why he would be doing this. But again, we know that people get trapped in the archives. So there's going to be some big revelations with what the, you know what, actually I shouldn't promise this because there might not be. We don't know like kind of where this book's going to go. My hope reading this is that it's going to add up to some sort of like matrix type of revelation, but who knows? The point being for the sake of this fight is that she's able to basically like anticipate him telepathically and emotionally and she inflicts a flesh wound. She like stabs him in the stomach, but like just a little bit and he starts bleeding and he like, yeah, it's a little, just un petit stab (laughs) (laughs) and he's like what the hell and she's like gotcha (laughs) and then he smirks and then I think this is important I follow his gaze over my shoulder four more samurai stand poised swords drawn eyes targeted on me one opens his mouth wide and gives a blood curdling screech and then she gets forcefully awoken from the simulation by the, the governess. governess our favorite yeah she takes the She's chip here. out of her wrist and wakes her up olivia's pissed because now no matter what she would have to start the uh i forgot what she called it like a, like a module yeah I don't know, like the scenario or something yeah. yeah she would she would have to, to of the encounter she would have to start the encounter Ooh. all over again and the governess is upset. She's like, you know, don't you have better things to do? Like, I'm trying to get you ready for all of these things that are happening. Why don't you go see the Sistine Chapel or the Gardens of Babylon? And yes. um, and Olivia is like... And Lex is... Oh, Olivia is like, yeah, she's like, boring. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's ridiculous. She's like, no thanks. So she's being like a little like sassy teen in this part like cue the Mm -hmm. indignant lecture and the governess is lecturing her and she's like she's supposed to be on her way to etiquette training and she is late because she's been gallivanting with samurais and then marius walks in who i completely forgot who this person was this is the short woman right yes so she walks in and she like just like charms the governess, like the governess, really likes her because I guess that is the person she vents to about Olivia uh, <laughs> being horrible. So she's like, "I can get you there. Like my driver will take us, and he'll like zip us to etiquette training." Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure what the point of any of this is. Like this whole part, I'm not sure. I was, I was like, "Why are they telling us this?" But she gets chauffeured to etiquette class, and they're getting their waist snatched today because it's cinching class (laughs) it's cinching it's cinching everyone get your cincher (laughs) 
the transition is so funny too it's like i hate etiquette days on a good day but today is not one of those good days today is stitching and they're like all basically all the girls are like in a room with these like huge like medieval contraptions that are like cinching them like with like cranks <laughs> so i'm imagining the like machine from the princess bride and and uh so like cinching is for anyone who like doesn't so it's like they're they're basically wearing like waist trainers that are being like forcefully tightened to give them a smaller waist right because that's like important and um Let's see. We there's like a, a bunch of other stuff of talking about like how much she doesn't like etiquette classes in general because they have to learn how to use like salad forks and shit like this. So she's over it. She doesn't want to be doing etiquette stuff. Like, but all the girls are getting ready for their emergence ball, and at this point, all the girls are really good at like etiquette. Like, even though they're all in terrific pain right now, none of them are showing it. They're all like smiling pleasantly at one another and eating like literally bonbons and cake while they like hold pleasant conversation while they're being like snatched by these like torture devices <laughs> it's very model yeah she mentions that they are used to it because they've been doing this their whole lives basically their whole lives. but because Livia is such a rebel she has oh. refused to do these things and she spent her time writing beta and like getting dirty and not training so once again not like other girls Wait. But you know what? You know what? This, like, the, this is so bad because, yeah, so she hasn't been doing this her whole life like the other girls. But do you know what? It doesn't fucking matter because her waist <laughs> is naturally tiny. She's a naturally tiny little goo. I highlighted this because it made me so mad. Literally, it says, fortunately, your waist is already smaller than average. She said, exasperated. Give me every break. Give me you, every break. Break me off a piece of that Kit Kat bar right now. I'm so please. tired of this bitch. And it's due to, according to her, it's due to swordmanship. Um, instead of like, you know, she's like, luckily for you, like I didn't do needlework growing up. Like I was a swordman, right? Like so. Basically, the insinuation is that like because she has this like lean, athletic body, she's got this like a tiny waist, but also she was always like going to have a supernaturally small waist. It's so dumb and so while the other girls are like used to the discomfort like even though Livia is tinier than they are like she's more uncomfortable and not able to hold in like the moans of discomfort basically as the cincher tightens around her which etiquette teacher is like disgusted by she's like do you plan to moan like this at your emergence ball yeah it, and it's very uncomfortable Livia's like yeah Livia's like I don't plan to wear a fucking cincher at my emergence ball. Like, maybe I'll wear a corset, but I'm not going to cinch my waist. And everyone, like, like it's like a record scratch. Everyone's like, oh, she's not, she's not going to wear a cincher. Like, they, like, can't believe it. And we should mention what's-her-face-is there. Like, Cassinia, her... No, no this is Micah, Micah yeah. Micah is, yeah, the, the, other, is the, the other chapter. Yeah, she's like, she's like uh, <laughs> airborne Zarpesa, basically. Yeah. <laughs> is like so disgusted and glaring at her and mouths the word orphan like you know as like a like derogatory um and then because we're not done with flashbacks like this is this chapter is all over the place place. we then go into we have like (laughs) i'm not exaggerating when i say so far we have one two six section breaks and all of them are jumping time like timelines right like yes yes they're all the same timeline but they're all jumping like across it 
during this. It is ridiculous. It is just absolutely. So I don't under. I have to. I have to stop being indignant about the ridiculousness because we'll never get anywhere. Like we're just gonna assume it's always going to be this way. Yeah. So to be quite honest with you, like if I was one of these girls who was working so absolutely hard to do the only thing that was given to me in society and this girl's like just strolling in with her naturally snatched waist and like not taking it seriously i would hate her too i would fucking hate her she despises all these girls she looks down on them she thinks she's so much better than they are she doesn't stop to think for a second that maybe they didn't have a choice in being here do you know what i mean it's not like they're like i can be a doctor (laughs) Like, this is their choice, and she's mad at them about it. And it's just, like, a very, very uh, frustrating dynamic that I don't know if they're going to explore. I don't know if she will be redeemed in that way, realizing, like, wait a minute, these girls aren't my enemies. They are just a victim of, like, the same sort of, like, societal standards that I am. I thought we were maybe going to get that because the next flashback is basically between her and Micah when they were friends, when she was in Micah's favor. Immediately my hopes were curdled because it turns into just more of an attempt to sort of like demonize Micah, right? Like I thought we were going to get this moment of like, you know, it wasn't always this way between us. We weren't always enemies. Like I sort of understand like where things went wrong and like this memory would make sense to sort of bring up here because maybe these girls are going to like team up, but it's, it's not that actually. We basically go back in time to a, a <laughs> moment when they were sash binding themselves. Sash which training. Just, Sashes. Sash training. <laughs> a sash. A fucking a sash. sash like model land. Like if they had said yes. cintura, I would have just thrown my iPad oh my into God. the ocean because yes. how do these books have so many similarities? <laughs> Is it just rich people? Is it just rich people? If you're rich and you listen to Bad Author Book Club, can you tell us, like, how much of your childhood was dominated by sashes? What is going on in the world of the upper echelon? I don't know. But they're learning how to tie sashes, like, basically a sash around their waist in a bow behind their back, which is difficult for Livia because she didn't grow up tying sashes. I don't know why these other girls did, but she's having trouble with it, and so... Uh, she gets, like, reprimanded. It's humiliating. Yada, yada, yada. Uh, but at this point, Micah and her are friends. And Micah's like, here, come with me. Like, don't worry. Like, I'm still your friend. And she, like, leads her away to do... And I thought she was going to help her tie her Ew, sash. Yeah. That's where I thought this was going. But I was wrong. She she cuts her. <laughs> yeah, she, like, stabs her. She, she cuts her thumb... Like, let's yeah. be blood sisters or whatever, right? Like, we're going to stamp oh, yes. the inside of each other's sash, and that will mean, like, we're friends forever. But the thing is, she gives herself, Micah gives herself a little nick, and then she cuts the yeah. shit out of Livia. <laughs> and Livia yeah. is, like, immediately like, what the fuck? <laughs> Why did she cut me yeah. so much? But she's scared, so she doesn't say anything yeah. until she, like, runs home. But basically the whole point of this entire section is to show that, yeah. like, Mike is abusive for whatever yes. reason. And I thought that, like, I was really hoping that this was going to pull off some sort of greater 
metaphor. Like, these different pearls were going to be strung into some sort of interesting observation about the way the world works or the way that, like, you know, there is a um, sort of duplicitous nature to manners or politeness or these very fragile bonds between, like, young girls and the way that they're sort of pitted against one another. Like, that would have been really lovely uh, because then we sort of do ease into this, like, lyrical passage where she's like, I ran home bleeding and I didn't cry in the car. It was only when I got home that I, like, basically couldn't stop myself from, like, running and I ran accidentally past the, you know, the electric gates, basically, that existed on Helix Island. That's her, that's her like, home. Uh, and, like, you know, I expected all of these alarms to start ringing, but, like, nothing rang because there was never any sort of, like, precaution in my world. Like, I, there weren't traps, there wasn't a gate, like, I was able to, like, roam freely because really knew, no one was ever going to be able to, like, basically she's saying that, like, the only thing really keeping me on this island was the fact that it's an island itself. My whole existence is basically a, a form of captivity, which is an interesting idea. Um, the last line is an entire universe that I would never know. And she's, like, looking at, like, the sky, basically, at the edge of the island. And I'm like, okay, we were so close to somehow landing a metaphor that involved Micah, that involved, like, everything she's observing. Because, again, remember, she's, like, a young adult reflecting on her past as she's, like, being cinched. But it doesn't actually do that. It's just these two kind of dissociated thoughts. And I don't understand what the intention was, but I can sense the effort there is this very specific thing that's happening in this book where it's like she's warned about all of these different things and there's all these rules but nothing is ever enforced even with like the the passage with Feta, there's something where like there's a chip lying around or something she shouldn't have access to her memories right but but she's like oh they leave it around maybe just to test my will and everything is just sort of like conveniently left open for her she never really has to fight back against anything because the most she gets is like the governess being like, oof, you shouldn't have done that with her big boobies. <laughs> yes. And that's it. You know, <laughs> yeah. like she, she's, there's no consequences to anything. And like even here, she's yeah. been told like, obviously she doesn't want to fall off the edge. She's on an island in the sky. So they're going to want to protect her from falling. But there's nothing there to protect her. Why like, not? No yeah. Yeah. It just doesn't I, I don't make know. any sense to me at all. And I'm waiting for her to make sense of these things because it's up to her, right? It's up to the author, but by extension, it's up to the character to sort of, like, synthesize these things and these experiences into some sort of, like, reflection about their world and, like, what these things mean. But it's not accessible. If there is something to be, like, reflected upon here, it's not been made available to the reader. And if you and I, two, like, very talented, very smart writers, like, can't necessarily access what they're trying to get at i absolutely guarantee a wider audience is not going to take the time to sort of investigate it to this point they're just simply going to think like oh it's not good and like and it isn't but i can tell that there's like an effort here like there is some like hefty thought that they're trying to unearth and i'm like desperate for them to get a win at this point because and them being like all four of the authors right right? the whole team because i can I can feel them sort of pushing towards something often enough that it's just frustrating because, like, how many pages into this are we? Like, I don't know. Oh, literally, this is page 101, and I'm still waiting for something to sort of hold on to with these characters. Yeah, I think that the point that they're trying to make with Olivia that doesn't really land at all because of all the things that I just said is that she's trapped 
that she's like trapped in the circumstances of her own world like she is this like wild mare that like wants to break free but she can't except she does whatever she wants all the time yes (laughs) and she doesn't have any consequences when she breaks the rules except when she goes to etiquette training and even then it's like what's the worst that could actually happen to her it's not death it's not this thing that she's afraid of because she keeps pushing back so i think that they're unwilling to put her through actual bad things they're being too yes. precious about her character and also want yeah. not willing to give her any flaws. I think that's the biggest problem because in order for her to come up against some of this resistance, she's going to have to mess up. And they're only letting her mess up in the ways that they think are like clever and cute, which is like her being sassy, but she always gets her way in the end. So there's no real payoff to any of it. And it yeah. doesn't feel like she's trapped. It feels like she's a spoiled brat, to be quite honest with you. It does. I know. Which is exactly the opposite impression that I know they're trying to deliver. Which is, I think, why, like, I'm like, how did this, how did this get so bad? But also, is that not what I would expect exactly from the Jenner girls? Like, trying to write a rebellious person when ultimately this is also, like, the through line of... I mean, I don't know them that well, but, like, if this is any indication, like, it's the same sort of, like obliviousness towards actual like repercussion in the same sort of like juvenile understanding of what rebellion actually means talking back not eating my pudding like listening in on like you know adults talking it's like this version where i'm like oh you really have no sense of what the actual stakes are in like a life that is actually at the edge of some sort of precipice where if you fall off no one's gonna catch you right and i think i think it would be super interesting to play with the idea that they don't notice what their counterparts are going through because they're in their own head. That actually is something I do in Witchlings. Like, granted, Mm -hmm. Seven is much younger than they are at this point of the book, but she is grappling with the fact that she didn't really care about spares until she became one herself. And I think that's like a really, really human thing to have happen to you, especially when you're a kid. And having a character go through that revelation, like, I was selfish. I only thought about myself. I only thought about not being this thing, but not what it meant to be that thing for those people and how hurtful and horrible it could be, you know? You know, oh my god, this would have been, okay, extending off of that idea that you just proposed, what would be amazing, because like, Obviously, we all have to go to the emergence ball. We know the countdown is, like, the first thing we learn. So, really, at the end of the day, like, none of the stuff that happens in etiquette class is ever going to actually risk the emergence ball for Olivia. Like, we're going to end up there no matter what. We know this. What would have been really cool is if, like, whatever has sort of insulated her from repercussions, sort of, and given her this really grand idea of herself as, like, not really needing to, like, follow the rules and being able to kind of indulge this rebellious streak, it'd be amazing to sort of watch her do something that then imperils a classmate or sort of like wanting like if she one-upped Micah and then something horrific happened to Micah as a result like Micah because she didn't perform because you know Livia sort of spitefully outperformed her right in this one thing like she ends up spiraling it to to the point that she literally drops out of like the upper echelon because you can lose your status like you can do something so embarrassing in this world that like you can lose like f- like your family can lose its status well that's actually a fact from the next chapter but like there are actual risks and it would be amazing if you know 
we know that we can't jeopardize Livia, but it would be amazing if her success does jeopardize somebody else, and she learns that way, that, like, oh, not everybody else is sort of insulated from these repercussions. I am privileged. That would have been an amazing insight. Yeah, I think so, too. I think it would have been so interesting to watch her grapple with that as well, and to break her out of this, like, sort of spoiled brat moment. I guess it could still happen, but I don't like to <laughs> yeah. give any hope to these moments because, like, I've been burned bad by Miss Tyre Banks, and I refuse <laughs> to give these people any more of my hope. I know. I like that we rewrite these books as we read them, though, to kind of give them a little bit more. It's fun. It is fun. Well, I think if you're, especially if you're a reader or if you're a writer, like, this is like such a fun way to learn like what to do and what not to do because you if you're yeah. if you're a brand new writer and you find yourself making some of these mistakes which are totally normal to make by the way I've made tons totally. of the same exact mistakes when I first started out this is such a great way to realize like oh I could dig deeper like d- dig deeper I think that is like the main thing with me every time I write a book every time I write a line I try to make it better mm-hmm. just try my best mm-hmm. to dig my claws into the story and I think what happens when you don't do that is you have all these missed opportunities of something that could have been brilliant but ends up just being very surface level this is a little bit difficult for me picking a rose on my initial sort of assessment of the situation I thought maybe just Veda being there period was my rose but I'm actually going to say there were certain lines in the fight scene that I thought were really well done the fight scene itself felt pointless to me but the actual sort of action between her and the samurai was actually kind of like um zippy and good so I liked that part and then my thorn it could be the whole chapter, to be quite honest with you. But I'm going to say my thorn is going to be her interaction with Micah. I'm just really super tired of, as you all know, the pitting of girls against each other just for the sake of, like, jealousy or whatever. I think it's tired. Yeah. I understand this was written at the height of, like, internalized misogyny. <laughs> Yeah, truly, yes. <laughs> but I just really dislike it, and it makes me want to root for Micah immediately because she's being mm-hmm. cast as a villain, and we don't know why, and I don't think jealousy is enough. I think that's, like, a really shallow and kind of harmful thing to write about two girls between each other without digging deeper into it. Totally, totally agree. My Rose and Thorn are way less introspective than that. (laughs) One of us has got to be the dumb one. (laughs) True. true. Here I go. My rose is that, I okay, like you, I thought the writing in the fight scene was great. Consistently, this book actually has delivered good action. The magnetic basketball scene was really, like, that was good. It was explained well, right. Mm -hmm. It was well explained. It was quick. It was zippy. I think literally it's called zip ball. Um, And similarly, this fight was good, which is exciting because I'm like, oh, maybe we're going to get some, like, good fight scenes. Like, that was cool. My thorn is that (laughs) I was so distracted for much of the second half of this chapter by the knowledge that somewhere... In some stable, Veda is, like, sitting there with her, like, VR headset on, (laughs) still stuck in the archives. (laughs) Like, no one ejected Veda from the archives. And so 
she's just sitting there in her like Wii Sports mode because remember the governess takes Livia out of it by like taking the chip out but like who's who's watching over Veda so she's just like standing in some clearing some digital clearing the samurai's looking at her like what the fuck (laughs) yeah like and Veda's like I don't know like I was like this is so you've now introduced the idea that this horse can enter the internet at like a moment's notice but like but can she exit it oh my god that's what I want what if well if they can can they feel each other's pain and like emotions from far away what if she feels yes her her waist being cinched do horses have waists (laughs) do you think veda is like tied up in the stable like also getting cinched because of this like synchronicity between them she's veda is snatched but i just i'm so preoccupied by this horse and i'm really happy to be able to deliver like further evidence to the ongoing theory that the mom has been turned into a horse like horse horse mother is like mother's real Mm -hmm. yeah so someone make it a t-shirt anyways horse mother is real oh my god that's horse mother is real but that's the end that's the end of this uh this chapter we're gonna do a quick plug for our socials and then we will answer a reader question so as a reminder, please remember to subscribe to all of our fun social media where we post little scraps and bits and bobbles from our Discord, from our own lives, uh, and announcements. So we're on Twitter at BadAuthorPod, on Instagram at BadAuthorBookClub, and you can find all of our episodes on Anchor and Spotify and Apple and wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you'd like to follow me, co-host Ryan, I'm on Insta, Twitter, and TikTok at the Ryan Lasala. Uh, I'm also on Blue Sky at just Ryan Lasala. Yes, and if you want to follow me at Clarabel, I'm on Insta, Twitter, and TikTok at Clarabel underscore Ortega. I'm also on Blue Sky as Clarabel Ortega, and I am on Threads as well as Clarabel underscore Ortega. Woo! Woo! So, today's listener question comes from Rachel. Do you think this book would have been better written in third person, or do you think it would be just another kind of bad? Oh. Hmm. Mm. Possibly the characters would be a little less annoying. Yeah. Uh, I think that is a possibility, but it could have also just been another kind of bad. And I think because it's dual POV, the first person actually would be my first choice for this kind of book yep. because I want to be in the character's head. I think a close third can be really powerful, but I think you almost have to be a better writer to pull that off and really feel like you're in the character's head than a, than than first person. I think first person is sort of like a cheat code to immediately yeah. being in the character's head, which is fine when the character is like interesting, but these two girls are not. So maybe it would have helped. Yeah. I'm not sure. I think a third person would have helped because I don't think we were ever going to get like deeper into the minds mm. of these girls and it already sort of feels like we're reading with this sort of omniscient voice that's like but had I known at this moment that this thing was going to happen like in, like so a third person sort of lends itself to that yeah that's with, true sort of the camera to pan out I also would love to like know these girls' names if it was in third person we'd know a lot more about like I just can't remember who's who at the time so we would get the mention of their names a little bit more so I think this book would have been a little bit better, but from a structural standpoint, right? Because already we're sort of ping-ponging between, like, timelines, and I think third person lends itself towards a little bit more distance between you and the character, but 
Yeah, I think the benefit. I guess what I'm saying is, I think the benefits of this being in first person are lost because the skill of the writing isn't necessarily rising to the occasion that the tense offers. Yeah, I agree with you. Actually, I think that's that's pretty accurate. And you're right about the whole sort of like omniscient POV, where they're yeah. like, they kind of know what happened already in their head, which takes away a lot of the tension from what's to come. Because yeah. it's like, okay, well, why are we here? What are we doing here? <laughs> That's I I ask myself that question constantly <laughs> about this podcast, driving me nuts. But thank you, Rachel, for your question. If uh, listeners, if you've got questions, throw them into Discord. Uh, I'll put a call out as we need more. Um, but you just post them in the general chat too. But you can also just post them in the general chat too, and we will answer them at the end of our episode. So. That's it. Yeah. That's all. Thanks for listening to another episode of Us Struggling with (laughs) Rebels, the city of Indra. Lex and Livia. Livia. (laughs) Oh, Jesus. Bye. Bye. That Other Book Club is recorded, produced, and edited by Clarabelle Ortega and Ryan Lasala. If you'd like to support us, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And please buy our books, available everywhere now, because we really need book fillers. Love you, hot queens. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.